It's Thursday, September 1st. This is Fantasy Baseball Today, and this is our last Thursday show of the season. Moving forward will be Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, in case you missed that programming note yesterday. But welcome to today's show. We have a lot to talk about from Wednesday's games and some transactions that went down yesterday. Guys getting called up. September is here. The call-ups... They're coming. Rosters are expanding. Rosters are expanding. Now, this could be a little overrated. Sometimes we think guys are going to have huge impacts. It doesn't really happen like that, right? Yeah, that I would say that's accurate. But I, I think especially for non-contending teams, uh, some of the, the young guys are could end up making an impact. That's something to keep an eye on this month. The, our email address is dmfantasybaseball at cbs.com. And we want you to follow us on Twitter. At Al Melk CBS, that's Al M E L C CBS at CBS Scott White and at Azers Got Flava A I Z E R S G O T F L A V A, maybe the lamest Twitter handle on the internet. You got to spell it, which makes it even worse. It's I true, think. it's true, but um, yeah, we get I get some good feedback. Al and I had a, had a fun Twitter back and forth yesterday about Top Gun. Yeah, it wasn't real long. It wasn't long, really a back and forth. Just a, a two, two There tweets. was a back and a forth, and you know, you felt bad about not seeing Top Gun, and I said, don't bother, you know, basically, because yeah, it's you, one of my least favorite movies. Neither of you movies. like Top Gun. Yeah. You, no. One of your least favorite movies? I would say so, yeah. Wow. I want to go that far, but it's it's unmemorable for me in That's just weird. about every way. Because everybody loves that movie. Well, there was, uh, a lot of your friends were probably born uh, <laughs> around the time that movie was... Uh, Coming out and yeah, it was jets flying and kids were into that stuff. Of course so. they were. Yeah, I, I had a lot of friends in kindergarten. I think who were who were big into Top Gun. Big into Top Gun. Yeah, Top Gun lunchboxes. I think the, they like they, they like the Kenny Loggins. The I don't know what else is on the soundtrack, but I don't either. Yeah. We'll have to we'll have to figure that one out. So let's talk about those call ups. Jesus Montero and Devin Mezzarocco, two catchers coming up. Montero for the Yankees, Mezzarocco for the Reds. Now, Montero could be the primary DH against left-handed pitching. We're going to see a few lefties in the Yankees' schedule coming up quickly. That actually could be bad news for Brett Gardner, who might ride the bench now against lefties. So, who will have a bigger impact, Montero or Mezzarocco? I am going to say Mezzarocco because of that contender-non-contender distinction. Uh, the Reds are going to want to see if they can go with Mezzarocco as their everyday guy next year. But at the same time, the fact that they haven't called up Mesoraco yet means it, it could actually end up being Montero. Um, the, con- the Yankees in contention could actually help his case there because clearly they haven't gotten much production out of Jorge Posada and, or whoever else they've, they've put in there. So I'm going to guess Mesoraco, but it wouldn't surprise me if it, it was actually Montero. They're both worth looking into. Jack Wilson and Matt Diaz are now Atlanta Braves. That could have effect, an effect on Jose Constanza, and that is Scott's quick pitch. But real quick, either of these guys worth picking up, Wilson or Diaz? No, they're both going to play not that much. Diaz will play semi-regularly, but still just a deeper NL only guy. The Giants designate Aaron Rowan and Miguel Tejada for assignment, and the Phillies acquired John Bowker from the Pirates. Al, does that mean anything, either of those moves? No, I mean, the Bowker one, I don't think Bowker is going to play very much. And as far as the Giants are concerned, the part of that set of transactions that's a little bit interesting is that they got rid of Tejada and Rowan, Rowan in particular, to make room for Pat Burrell, who is back. So I think they're going to give Burrell one more shot and see if he can make a contribution. But, yeah. 
in the end, nothing much uh, interesting there. And Connor Jackson traded to Boston. Oh, just uh, cements Brandon Allen's place in the Oakland lineup, which is, uh, as Scott already knows, great news. Yep. And I think not much else impact there. We start the show usually with three up, three down, but yesterday was just a, a good day. I was just feeling good. So I went four up, two down. Apparently Al has a problem with that. No, I don't have a problem with it. It's just Scott said, well, what kind of lineup is or what, 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 <laughs> what kind what of inning is what that? What kind of inning is that? And I said, it's an inning with two guys on base. And that's that's yeah. exactly what it is. That's we're what, we're yeah. still we're pitching out of a jam here. Okay, well, then we're pitching out of a jam. Here we go. Four up, number one, Hunter Pence. Home runs in back-to-back games. Number 11, Roto outfielder this year. Number 16, head-to-head outfielder. <laughs> what is your beef with him, Scott? I got an email like this. Uh, basically said the same thing just yesterday. And... My beef with Hunter Pence, it it might have been from Adam. (laughs) My beef with him is that obviously he's an above-average player, but I I think he's consistently overrated. People talk about him like he's a perennial all-star when uh, two of the three seasons prior to this one, he had an OPS under 800. And for a guy who doesn't steal 30, 40 bases, that's just not enough to really be a high-end player in fantasy. Now, obviously, he's having the best year of his career here, uh, based on some of his peripherals, I don't expect it to continue into next year, the the 320-ish batting average that's gotten him so high in the rankings. So I, I think there's a good chance he's going to be overrated again heading into next season. So the hate's only going to continue from me toward Hunter Pence. Obviously, if you have him, there's you should have him starting, but I'm I'm just not high on him in general. You know what this season of Hunter Pence is very reminiscent of to me is Jason Worth a year ago when he hit all these doubles out of nowhere, was never really a great doubles hitter. Pence, it's not quite as, as uh, out of character for him, but I think you're going to see regression from him, you know, like we've seen from Worth, probably not as extreme, but uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's built to last. Well, four up number two is, it's weird saying four up, is Kelly Johnson. And Kelly Johnson doesn't like doubles lately. He likes triples and home runs. That's all he's been hitting. He's actually hitting 308 now since the trade to Toronto. That is really thanks in large part to a recent surge. But two triples and a home run in his last three games. Yeah, Kelly Johnson. I, I'm not saying yeah, Kelly Johnson, because his big problem this year has been strikeouts and already in his 26 at-bats as a Blue Jay, 6Ks. That's not good. Right. But it's, it's a normal rate for him. Uh, I mean, I, higher, I than usual. Say, higher than usual. I don't know. I, I think over. I think last year he had what 130, 140 strikeouts in that uh, career season. He's he's always been a guy who whiffed a lot. So I don't know that I would, you know, six Ks and twenty six at bat. That's one every four. I, I don't know. That that doesn't really scare me. What I I think it's possible he could be on the verge of an extended streak here, and uh, that he could end up being someone you 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 do end up activating for your playoff run. Obviously, there's a chance he could cool off and, and hurt you. But yeah. And everybody hit for the Blue Jays yesterday. I think yeah. they scored 11 runs. They went crazy. Yeah. But my my feeling is he's due for a hot streak because he has been down for several weeks now. Yeah. But there's his strikeout rate this year. It's it's really out of line with what he's done before. So that's what why it? it's twenty seven percent. Where usually last year it was actually a little bit high at twenty two. Career it's twenty one. Okay. So I mean, I I just I don't usually see it in expressed as a percentage like that. So I don't have. It's it's harder for me to gauge yeah. than just looking at 
a total and comparing it to the number of at-bats, even though I understand that's probably what it is. But. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on, guys. Yeah. Four up, number three is Austin Jackson. Four hits against the Royals on Wednesday. Doubled, tripled, and stole a base. 22 fantasy points in Week 20. 19 in Week 21 and already 14 in Week 22, and he's only owned in half our leagues. Well, you want to talk about strikeouts. <laughs> this is a guy who has about 100 more strikeouts than walks and still a 682 OPS on the year. I, he's going to get hot like this sometimes. It's clear he has tools, but is he worth those tools still right aren't now, refined though. enough for me to trust him. They're not for me either, but you know I, I think what he's done this year is, is kind of interesting because last year you know he had that 300 average for almost the whole season, tailed off at the very end, and and wound up just under 300. This year's average has been way down, but he's hit for a, a little bit more power, and Jackson is hitting a lot more fly balls this year, which you would think was bad news for a guy who built up a big average last year with gap power. Mm -hmm. But looking back at his minor league numbers, it made me think of our conversations about Jose Tabata, who I know we're also going to talk about later. But, you know, we've talked about how Tabata, you know, maybe he's going to develop some power that we didn't even really see in the minor leagues. I think there may be a better case for Jackson developing power um, than than Tabata. And, And so he's clearly, it's not developed yet. And so he's, he doesn't have the pow, the power numbers or the batting average this season. But maybe a year or two down the line, he brings it all together. He develops the power, and he's he's going to be a monster. Rest of the season, Austin Jackson or four up number four, Jason Kubel, who has homered three times in his last four games. They're owning about the same amount of leagues. More Kubel. Yeah, Kubel. more Kubel. I, I'm a little disgusted with him, though, because I had him as a— as uh, a recommended uh, option in the hitting planner the two weeks prior to this one. Right. So yeah. he's unpretictable. All but right. good. That's Pretty good. A, since I had a little comment about Jackson and his, kind of his long-term value, same thing for Kubel. He's a free agent this year. Um, his power numbers have been really dampened by target field, which, like Petco, is just the worst place for a power hitter to be. If he goes anywhere else, his road numbers have been really good this year. That's interesting. And he's hitting power against left-handed pitchers this year. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. Could be, re- could be really underrated next year. Yeah. Two down now. Two down number one is Darwin Barney. Six hits in his last 12 games. He is cold. Two doubles, four singles. Are you still using him in mixed leagues? No, the story with Barney has been if he's hitting for a 300 batting average or higher, okay, he's he's usable. But if he's not, he doesn't offer anything else. No pop, no speed, really. And uh, I would be steering clear of him right now, except in the most desperate of circumstances. All right. And, and two down, number two is Jose Tabata, who Al had said we were going to get to, and now he's here. So he has three hits, four total bases in his last six games. Is he slowing down right now? Seven strikeouts. No steals. Of course, he hasn't gotten on base much, but he's still owned in 64% of leagues right around Jason Kubel territory. Yeah, and, you know, I think that's probably pretty appropriate for both of those guys, Kubel and uh, Tabata. Um, One thing I want to mention about Tabata is uh, he missed a game Monday, I think it was, with a wrist issue, and he was back in the lineup, but... Something like that obviously might have been around for a while, might still be around. It, it might have something to do with this. So uh, it, it's it's another reason why you can't be that confident starting him yet, but it's something to watch. Rotation. A lot of pitchers caught our eye yesterday, but these were five guys who, you know, not the Cliff Lees and the Bumgarners and the Felixes, 
five guys who you got to make decisions about on your team. And number one is Alexio Gondo. Is he going to be out of the Rangers rotation? He has only pitched six and two-thirds over his last two starts combined. So Feldman's pitching well. What's going on with Ogando? Ogando's, for now, going to get another shot. Um, he is the scheduled starter for Monday against the Rays. Uh, Feldman actually might be the one who's out of a start next week, the way that the rotation's shaping up, because the Rangers have a day off. Wilson's the only guy they're committed to keeping on regular rest, but it should all work out. So Ogando... As of right now, we'll get a start next week. Feldman, maybe not. Drop or stash, guys. I would stash him. I would stash him, too, yeah. It's a tough situation for the Rangers because it's hard to envision them going far in the playoffs without Ogando in their rotation. He's their third best pitcher, if not second best pitcher. Um, But any other team would probably, this would probably be the point where they'd consider shutting him down for the team if they were out of contention. Shutting him down for the season if they were out of contention. Well, they should shut him down, and then they should bring him back. They should give him a nice little rest. I don't know if that works very well. I think it could work. You've got to do something to keep him sharp, though. Didn't that happen with Scherzer in his rookie year, or Porcello maybe, where they limited his innings like in the middle of the season? Well, there's a difference between limiting them. Yeah, just give him a little break. Maybe move him to long relief for a while. Sure, something like uh, that. Something like that could happen. But I hope they're listening because I think this is going to work. I think this is a big <laughs> idea. <laughs> Rotation spot number two is Jay Happ. Welcome back to being relevant. Since being recalled, two starts, 13 innings, seven hits, one earned, five walks, eight strikeouts, and very good yesterday, although he was facing the Giants and Pirates in those two starts. He's only owned in 10% of leagues. And you can probably repeat the part that you just said before and he faced the Giants and the, and the Pirates that makes me a little bit skeptical because he was really not performing all season long you know it's curious because Hap you know has been much much better than this prior to the season and uh, you know he may not have been primed to keep up that level of performance but I really don't know what's happened to him this year all right Al it's time I got to give you a little podcast punch in the gut Ugh, all right Phil Hughes hey I, look, he might not be in the rotation anymore, depending on what happens yeah. with A.J. Burnett. Well, after A.J. Burnett gives up 14 runs and three innings tonight, <laughs> things will be a little bit different. But Hughes was not good yesterday. Five and two-thirds in Fenway, eight hits, six earned, two walks, four strikeouts. And I, I just don't know how you can trust him going forward the rest of the year, even if he does stay in the rotation. Well, as a one-start option after, after this start and the one before, you, you probably do want to look for somebody else. But... Um, you know, I haven't haven't given up on him for the rest of the season, even though there's not much season left. I think he could still deliver a few good starts. I, I can understand the hard to trust argument, but yeah, the the two starts previous to these last two where he gave up six earned, it was five earned runs over four starts. So yeah. uh, not just not just decent, but pretty darn good. And this start uh. at Fenway against the Red Sox, I think anybody is capable of putting up a line like that against them there. All right. So okay, it's, you guys. Are I, I'm not. I'm not writing off Phil Hughes yet. Okay. Fourth spot in the rotation, Randy Wolf. Just looking at his game logs, it's really weird what he has done over his last six starts. Well, yesterday was six earned in five innings, but if you look at his last six starts, three of them, twenty-two and a third, twenty-two and two-thirds, two earned. The other three, seventeen and two-thirds, sixteen earned. <laughs> so talk about inconsistent. Yeah, and you can. Add him to the list of guys that we've talked about a lot, Cahill, Cole Mentor, um, who much more often than not are very good, but they just stink often enough yeah. that you you feel like you can't trust them. But actually, Wolf has been 
pretty trustworthy. Wolf or Colmenter? I, I see them both as guys you start during two start weeks pretty much without question, mm-hmm. but in one start weeks, yeah, it's probably not worth it in, in mixed leagues. But, yeah, if I, had right. to pick, if I had to pick one just top of mind, I would probably say Wolf. But I would also look at it, too, because whenever I look at Cole Mentor's numbers, he's always been better than I think he's been. So <laughs> yeah. I'd probably want to give it another look. Toronto starting pitcher Henderson Alvarez threw eight scoreless in Baltimore Wednesday night. Anyone care? I do because I've got him on all my AL only teams. So nice. I liked it. High upside, high ceiling, I, I would yeah. say, with him as hard as he throws. Moving on to the injuries, news, and notes, and we start with Hanley Ramirez. Ooh, man, burning fantasy owners. Is he out for the year now? We should know later on Thursday because uh, he had an MRI yesterday, and the results will be known uh, probably sometime today. All right, doesn't Thursday. look good for Hanley Ramirez, but yeah, keep an eye on surgery, that. Surgery, shoulder surgery is what's in what yeah. they're talking about, which is always, for a, for a power hitter, it's scary to think about in the long term what it, what it could mean. It might mean nothing, but... Something to watch, sure. Fantasynews.cbssports.com throughout the day for updates. Is Alex Rodriguez's thumb a major concern? Well, he had a cortisone shot in it Tuesday, which can off, that can often pull off some miracles. We see him back in the lineup within a couple days, and he feels fine. So that could be the case here. Probably going to be out um, – through when does the Red Sox series end? Is that Tonight, is the last game today? And then they have the Blue Jays Friday through yeah. Sunday. Yeah. I, well, originally they thought he'd come back Friday, but he was asked if this were July, if he would go on the DL with this injury, and he said, I don't know. So it's probably a little more serious than they thought it would be at this point. But Well, let's see it's, what it's the shot does. Let's see what the shot does. On Sunday when you set your lineup, that's definitely someone that you're going to want the latest news on. Jerome Williams is going to stay in the Angels rotation now. Interested? AL only. Um, just not enough. We haven't seen enough. You know, he hasn't been around in a while outside of the minor leagues. Uh, so I think more of a scouting experiment for, for next year. So you like Henderson Alvarez better than him? Oh, yeah. Okay. Sure. Troy Tulowitzki day-to-day with a wrist and Matt Wieters a minor quad injury. And that's all I got in the injury news and notes, guys. The yeah, short uh, list that. is a good list. Yeah, I guess so. Unless you own Hanley and A-Rod. More from around baseball, and then we will quick pitch and read some emails. Well, three guys yesterday were just lights out. Cliff Lee, eight and two-thirds, six hits, no runs, one walk, seven strikeouts, 15 and seven, 2.59 ERA this year. Bumgarner and Felix Hernandez were great as well. Cliff Lee, better, worse, the same as you expected at the beginning of the season. If I had to lean one way or the other, I would say better. Uh, I mean, he was projected to be an ace, top five pitcher, a guy who could throw a complete game every time out, and he's been that. The reason I say better is because he's striking out more than a batter per inning, and I, that's not that's not what how we had come to think of Cliff Lee, a decent strikeout guy, but not one of those really high-end guys as far as that goes. So I would say better. Definitely better, yeah. Madison Bumgarner struck out 11 Cubs in eight scoreless innings, allowed just two hits. Felix Hernandez struck out nine Angels in a complete game win. He allowed one run. Better, worse, or the same as you expected? Felix, um, worse, for sure. I yeah. uh, thought he had a good chance to repeat his a Cy Young and been okay. Actually, better than okay. Uh, but say, that's the thing. He didn't meet my expectations, so I'm, I'm even calling him okay when really he's been very good. But Yeah. yeah. All right. I, I mean, that's, that's part of 
why I I believe in in drafting using a tier approach because you you lump all these similar guys together and it and it it, it keeps your expectations more reasonable. Cliff Lee, Felix Hernandez, they were both in the ace category. They've both been aces. Cliff Lee's been better than Felix Hernandez, yes, but to me, you draft a guy as an ace and he performs like an ace, it's hard to be disappointed. Not only did Jack Hanahan, Hanahan have a game-winning single in the 16th, he also homered twice, and we talked about him yesterday, but are you guys even more excited about Jack Hanahan? Well, excited relative to what, I guess, is, is relative the way to, to the approach uh, it. Lack of excitement yesterday, I guess. <laughs> We've stopped yawning. All right. Yeah, I guess that's... So the yeah. two-home no, run no, game doesn't no do much. No, because power is his best tool, so... Jordan Schaefer. Yeah. It's been better with Houston than Atlanta. Ten hits in his last eight games, five RBIs, three steals, owned in 9% of leagues. Well, yeah, he's been thought to have upside... Some of it might have been PED related when he had that suspension a couple years ago. But as a speed guy who can, you know, if he gets on base more, he could he could end up making an impact in deeper rotisserie leagues. Willie Bloomquist or Jordan Schaefer for steals? I, for steals, I think I'd go Schaefer. Okay. But Bloomquist being shortstop eligible makes him the more valuable player. Chris Capuano, five innings, two earned runs against the Mets, or against the Marlins, excuse me, zoned in 44% of leagues. Not a great start, but not bad. No, not bad at all. Kept the, the Mets in the game you know, long enough to allow them to come back and win it. Um, and Capuano's, as I've said before, I think he's a little underrated. I think he's been a little bit of a, a hard luck loser this year, um, but also somebody that you wouldn't use very often in a standard mixed league. Now, I was looking at the box scores, and I get to the – Nationals Braves game. I see John Lannon, and he's got pretty good numbers. So, mm-hmm. doesn't have a lot of wins. I thought maybe he could possibly compare similarly to Hiroki Kuroda in terms of fantasy value, but not even close. No. John Lannon, despite a good ERA, 3.54 this year, doesn't have a lot of fantasy value. So, in head to head leagues, he is one spot ahead of Derek Lowe. And then I went back to the box score, and lo and behold, he faced Derek Lowe last night. And it just made me realize that we've been saying it all year, but Landon is owned in 23% of leagues, low 64% of leagues. They're basically the same pitcher. Value-wise? Value-wise. Yes. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So that whole rant is just, wow, Derek Lowe is over-owned this year. Yeah. Well, he's been over-owned <laughs> for a few years. He got lucky with a couple 16-win years his first year. In Atlanta, his first two years in Atlanta, he won 16 games in each. Uh, but that's obviously not happening this year. Right, okay. Giants second baseman Jeff Kepinger has driven in seven runs in his last six games. No mean feat as a Giant um, and a guy who you don't think of as a big run producer, so I don't think we'll see that real often, especially as long as he's a Giant, but Kepinger does put the ball in play, so good things can happen. Kepinger or Altuve? Altuve. Did either Scott Diamond for the Twins or Nate Adcock for the Tigers open your eyes at all last night? No, not really. I mean, both through quality starts, I think. Um, I don't think Adcock got to six innings. I think okay. it was five it was It was a fraction in there, I know. Yeah. But those starts weren't nearly good enough to make me say, oh, maybe there's something going on here. And okay. they were just, okay, average pitcher has a decent start. It happens. And Adcock, it could be one and done for him anyway. So, uh, you know, at least Diamond is probably going to stick around for a while. 
Quick pitch time. One player in the AL, one player in the NL to keep an eye on. We'll start with Al's AL player, Luis Perez. Yeah, who I don't think we've ever talked about. No. Um, so I thought it was, was time. Uh, Perez does get a start uh, on Thursday. So if you're hearing this early enough, and we've got uh, early lineup uh, deadline on today, so this may be too late for a lot of people. But he's really flown under the radar. He's owned in only 7% of leagues, starting in only 5%. And to look at his numbers, aside from the ERA, which has been good so far, um, nothing really that impressive. He's not a big strikeout guy, and he's not a big control guy, but he has done well this year. He's brought the strikeout rate up considerably. Um, and, and what that sort of reminds me of is Ivanova, a guy that even earlier this season we didn't really pay a lot of attention to, didn't really give him, I think, much of a chance to have an impact, but a guy who, you know, after some really mediocre years in the minors really made big leaps and bounds um, and succeeded with, with a high ground ball rate. And that description fits Perez perfectly. So, you know, I think he's a guy, um, you know, he'll get run support with Toronto and, you know, I think he'll get enough ground ball outs that he'll be a more useful pitcher down the stretch than those ownership numbers would uh, lead you to believe. Scott's AL player is Zach Britton. Yes. Zach Britton is back maybe he he looked like he's back he's been back since he returned from the DL in two starts five innings one earned run at Minnesota okay that was pretty good his last time out seven shutout innings four hits one walk five strikeouts against the Yankees and this is after a 10 start stretch in which he posted an 8 ERA he was up and down in the minors on the DL with that shoulder injury during that stretch, but it, it was really ugly. So I'm thinking now he had that time uh, off on the DL. He he talked about watching some video, trying to get back to what he was doing at the beginning of the season when he was such a prize off the waiver wire in fantasy. And I think he's kind of come through the rookie wall here Um gotten back on track and any fantasy owner who was shrewd enough to own Brian Mattis at the end of last season will recognize how important it is to keep a close eye on Zach Britton over these next couple starts because if he uh, being a high upside pitcher the way Mattis was last year finishes uh, on the same high note that Mattis did last year he could really change the whole uh complexion of your playoffs there so his next start friday at the rays uh i'm going to be watching britain closely to see if he has another good one i see how it is so i bring up a guy who gets recalled pitches two very good starts and he just gets dismissed scott brings up zach britain who uh is back pitches two very good starts and eh, keep who, an eye on him bring up? jay hap okay but well, no, Giants and Pirates is a lot different than Twins and Yankees. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding around. Uh, and Britain, obviously, more upside. And I didn't get a chance to speak on Hap because I just kind of, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. It, it might be a similar situation for him, uh, going to the minor leagues, straightening him out. We've seen that happen to somebody like Edinson Volquez, who seemed to be established, and he comes back from that, uh, a new pitcher. Uh, so it, I, I would say Hap's someone to keep an eye on, too. But Britain had the nice little Mattis tie in there yeah, that I wanted yeah. to. <laughs> That's fine. All right, one more comparison, though, because Hap was just miserable all year long. Yeah. Britain, I mean, his bad stretch was really brief. Yeah, that's true, it too. Was, no, it, it was dramatic, but it was brief. Britain and Hap are different players, certainly. 
Al's NL player is John Buck. Yeah, another guy I think we haven't talked about much, and, and probably for better reason because he's been, you know, probably at best kind of a mid-range catcher. Um, and he's really sort of disappointed this year um, because the one thing that you could always count on Buck for was um, some home run production. And he had, you know, been okay uh, in terms of his power numbers this year, but he really has turned it on uh, in August, which is now past us. Um, so the, the power numbers are up for Buck. And the thing that's really up for him this year, which actually was down for him last year in, in the career year, are the walks. So in head-to-head, Buck has really become, I think, a little bit more valuable uh, in recent weeks than he had been you know, for, for the season prior. So um, you know, if you're looking, I'd say more in a deeper mixed league than in a standard one, but you, know, you need a catcher down the stretch uh, that Buck is somebody to, uh, to consider that you may have overlooked. I would say that uh, if baseball were football and had non-guaranteed contracts, John Buck would be cut next year. That's a bad deal. Really yeah. bad. Looks like a bad contract. <laughs> Starting to look a little better now, but maybe I Maybe agree. the new stadium will be a, a bandbox or something, and, and he'll hit some more home runs, but not good right now. Scott's NL player, Jose Constanza, tied it in with Matt Diaz. What's going on there? Well... Summer doesn't officially end until September 23rd, but I'm here to say the summer of Jose is over (laughs) today. More competition in Atlanta with Matt Diaz coming over. Got the start Wednesday against lefty John Lannon, who we talked about earlier, and it looks like he is going to be uh, the primary starter against left-handed pitchers, Diaz is, which means it's bad news for Constanza. It's bad news for Jason Hayward. Those three guys are are competing for that one outfield spot, and and although maybe two of them can get in on days, Chipper Jones has has off. Martin Prado goes to the infield. It's still not going to be enough at bats for any of them to make a reasonable contribution in mixed leagues. In Constanza's case, he had kind of cooled off recently anyway, hitting 167 over his last 10. So perhaps his day in the sun was already over. But as the one who had been the most Attractive in fantasy recently, uh, I, I think uh, this is the uh, this is the biggest blow for his value. Um, only if you need steals in a deeper roto league should you have him now. It's email time. DM fantasy baseball at cbs dot com. Chris in Columbus, I'm going to roll with James McDonald. Do you still consider him a viable option, or should I be looking to the waiver wire for something else? Perhaps a recent call up like Eric Surkamp who pitched well in his major league debut last week, or Jacob Turner, who I have sitting in my minors. Yeah, and by the way, McDonald could have been a, uh, a what, a five-up? Uh, yeah, yeah, he pitched well. <laughs> he pitched well, true. yeah, uh, against the Astros, uh, if I remember right, uh, mm-hmm. in, in J-Hap. Um, yes. So, but the, the question here is, you know, him versus somebody like Sir Camp or, or Turner or another call-up. Um, I'm inclined to say keep going with McDonald. For one thing, a lot of these guys that are called up are really spot starters. Jacob Turner may not start again uh, after today. Um, I'd say probably won't. Eric Surkamp will be back in the Giants rotation. I'd say if you're going to look for an alternative, Surkamp is probably one of your better ones. But I think McDonald's shown us enough this year that I, I would rather go with him than somebody totally unproven. And Scott, let me know if, if you're thinking of somebody, but I can't think of any potential call-ups that would be more reliable than the McDonald. I, I just um, can't think of any. Well, well Strasburg, obviously, but I mean, you know, guys who yeah. are available. No, I guess I'd agree with that. I'm not as high on McDonald as you are, but 
Yeah, it's an issue of consistency with the starts and, and all of these guys getting called up. We'll make a start here and there, not not every time through the order. Dan from New Jersey, Ultimate Fantasy Warriors. That was my guy growing up. My guy that I love the Ultimate Warrior. Can you tell me the top four players I should have on my team? What were you, Scott? Hulk fan? I have no idea. Uh, Hulk, are you talking about wrestling? Yeah. You I, know the Ultimate I did Warriors? not know the Ultimate Warrior. I was hoping we could just kind of oh. escape by that. Al, do you know the Ultimate Warrior? I do, but th- this is this is after my time. Wow! So I, <laughs> I know, crazy. I know, I know about You're all these top gunning him uh, all yeah. over again. This is this is crazy. Okay. Anyway, can you tell me the top four players I should have on my team in a twelve-team head-to-head league? The categories in this league are runs, RBI, walks, average, slugging. Stolen bases. Carlos Pena. So pick uh, pick four here. Carlos Pena, Michael Morse, Jason Wirth, Mike Carp, Adam Lind, Kyle Blanks, Alfonso Soriano, Austin Jackson, Brandon Allen. I immediately checked off one guy. Morse, right? Morse. Yeah. Yeah, I know, I, right? <laughs> and I think, you know, since I'm having a hard time with the others, I got to go with Jason Worth too, because he's been uh, warming up the last several weeks. I think he'll be good down the stretch. After that, boy. Scott's going to go Kyle Blanks. No, not necessarily. Uh, I think Pena is the only other obvious name. Obviously, he kills your batting average, but the power is still consistent enough, and the walks are consistent enough that I would uh, make him one of the four. The final one comes down to Blanks and Lind for me. I still think there is a chance Lind could uh, come out of this slump and and be a a pretty significant contributor over the last few weeks. But obviously he's been awful recently. You wouldn't want him in your lineup. If you don't have to start him, I would rather have Lind. But Blanks is is the one you'd be more likely to start right now. I'll take Blanks, and I think I'll also take Brandon Allen over Lind. Over, okay. Would you take him over Pena? Yeah. Wow. All right. Moving on. Yep. Sean in Sacramento. I I just don't understand. Like, how do you... You didn't watch wrestling when you were growing up? No. No, I didn't. Oh, man. Legion of Doom and the Bushwhackers. Yeah. Just... The Ultimate Warrior. He was the best. I'll send you some YouTube clips. Okay. Dear Fantasy Aces from Sean in Sacramento. 16-team points keeper league. We get to keep seven players. Which of these seven would you hold? Adrian Gonzalez, Danny Espinosa, Starlin Castro, Andrew McCutcheon, Stanton, Gabby Sanchez, Belt, Latos, Jordan Zimmerman, Kimbrell, and that's it. All right, so I've got my first four. I've got Adrian Gonzalez, Andrew McCutcheon, Mike Stanton, and Jordan Zimmerman uh, as my top four guys. And then if I'm going to go back, I think I'll go... uh, Castro, yep, gotta be in there. exactly. Yeah. Starlin Castro, because he's gonna be an elite shortstop. Uh, and then it's tough. Then it's very, very tough. Uh, Kimbrel just set the rookie saves record. Yeah, as a general rule, I don't like to keep closers, no. but I think I would keep him here just because he's so much more proven than than a lot of the rest of these names on this list. I, I think Danny Espinosa would be my seventh guy because. I don't know that he's ever going to overcome the low batting average, but the power-speed combo is is proven, and I think you could trust him as a starter heading into next year. Sanchez, Gabby Sanchez, I don't think the upside's high enough with him. Matt Latos, uh, until they get more offense there, I don't know he's going to be a great fantasy option. And Belt, um, 
maybe in a, in a deeper keeper league he would be attractive, but just hasn't proven enough this year. That Exactly. I mean, I, I think based on potential, you could justify protecting Belt, but I think in a seven-keeper league with 16 teams, he's going to be available in that draft. Last email comes from Grant Sutter in Lakeville, Minnesota, and he says, Sutter's like butter because he's on a roll. And then he says, that was for Azers Got Flavor. <laughs> but it's Azers Got Flavor. It's not, not flavor. flavor. Yeah, no, flavor kind of ruins, you know, it's like, I don't know. It just doesn't work for me. <laughs> anyway, he's got this. It would rhyme better, actually. I, you know, I Adam thought Aza. about that, but still, got flavor? <laughs> That's like. Well, no. I like Sutter's Got Butter. Or Sutter's <laughs> Got like, Butter. Like, yeah, like butter. I like that. Yeah. Um, all right, so he's in a 14-team, 24-man roster, 5x5, five five, head-to-head category league with OPS instead of average. Three outfielders, utility, no corner infielder, no middle infielder. Start four starting pitchers, two relief pitchers, and then one pitcher. And uh, $4 annual raises. So he gets – it's a keeper league with a $210 budget. Uh, he's got 12 keepers so far. Who else should I keep? Except I'm just looking to see how many people he can keep. And I don't think he listed that. Are we supposed to assume that he can keep as many as he wants? Maybe. All right. Well, I will read the names and the dollar values, and you guys tell me who is a good value. Sounds Adam good. Lind in a $210 budget for 24-man rosters. $210. Okay. Yeah. That's... At at $13, right? You said that? Adam Lind, $13. Yeah. No. Ryan Zimmerman, $22. See, this is very – I've never played with a $210 budget, so – Trying to figure out the math on the fly here is throwing me for a Yeah, loop. I'm inclined to say yes on me, Zimmerman. Me too. Oh, I'm sorry. He can keep as many players as, as he wants, by the way. Okay. Okay, J.J. Hardy at nine. Uh, I'm going... <laughs> I'd, I'd toss I, him back. Yeah, I think so. I think toss him back. Michael Bourne at eight. That sounds better to me than Hardy. I, I think I might do that. Colby Rasmus at nine dollars. No. Nah. Ubaldo Jimenez, $15. Nope. Uh, I'm guessing that's Michael Morse? Uh, Matt, Matt Moore. Moore. Oh, Matt Moore at $9. That's pretty high for a guy who hasn't thrown a pitch in the majors yet. No. And Joel Hanrahan at $9. Yeah. I think also no, yeah. So the only one is Zimmerman? Or Zimmerman and Bourne? Zimmerman and Bourne, yeah, and I would say. We are Hardy would, J.J. Hardy would be my third choice, but um, that sounds kind of high for that budget, $9. Then we're done. Good job, guys. Back on Sunday to preview week 23. And remember, we're three times a week going forward. Email DM fantasybaseball at cbs.com. Put podcast in the subject line. We'll try to read your question on the air. And have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy uh, the long weekend. We'll be back on Sunday.